0: Or listening to Perlustration, a podcast where we take on movie universes. This episode, we are discussing the 2019 film Captain Marvel, or Captain Marvel, directed by Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck. Spoiler warning for this film, as well as the first 20 MCU films. We will try not to spoil any future movies or any future plot points. Lucas, what are your thoughts on Captain Marvel? Being one of the most
1: recent ones uh, in the MCU, I think I've only seen this once, maybe twice before. and Whoa, same. <laughs> uh, did not particularly enjoy it the first time or two, whatever. But uh, watching it for the pod here, uh, it, it hits different. It it was fun uh a lot of nostalgia product placement blockbuster radio shack you know all of that stuff When all the time we spent on earth it, it it was definitely more fun i think in the in the context of the mcu it still doesn't sit well with me in uh captain marvel's place in the universe at this point um more will become clear in the next movie i think you'll you'll see what's what's going on um it is the end game of after all uh but I did enjoy watching it this time,
0: so there's that. Okay. I think I'm in a similar situation to you as your first few viewings. This is probably my least favorite film so far in the MCU. Wow. You'd watch Hulk? <laughs> Incredible Hulk again? Yeah, I think a lot of that film really works, and I think there's a lot of uh, freedom given to the performers, and I feel like in this film, like if I hadn't known Samuel L. Jackson before, I wouldn't have, like, maybe been able to read this film that way. It just, it, it seems like everybody has this kind of very reserved performance. Like, we've seen Samuel L. Jackson in how many films? And, and especially in the MCU. And I know he's supposed to be, like, a young Samuel, but there's no, like, presence, really, on screen when he's there in the same way Samuel usually carries. In the same, like, for when Coulson's on screen, it just, he's just kind of there, I just kind of feel like I'm just watching a movie instead of like know, a lot of these MCU films, you feel like you're with your friends. Mm-hmm. Like when you're off with the Guardians, like you're a part of the crew. And in this film, I just kind of felt on the sidelines a little bit. I just really didn't connect with it. And I don't think that's the fault of maybe one person specifically. This film clearly maybe had the most heavy lifting to do other than like Black Panther on like a connecting at this point, yeah. all the other films. Yeah. Because like Black Panther came in pretty late and had like a lot of stuff going on. They already had Bucky there, which tied into the Captain America, you, you know, know. Vibranium and yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I can see what you're saying.
1: Now that you say it, I can kind of visualize that. I, I disagree with Samuel L's performance because I thought it was awesome. Maybe I'm not familiar with Samuel L outside of MCU, but like I thought it was a great young fury. And it, it was just fun and funny. and But the part you mentioned about being a bystander, that makes a lot of sense to me because Fury is a bystander. He's just kind of thrust in this story and is tagging along with um, Captain Marvel or Carol Danvers, Veers, whatever, as she's kind of doing her story. You know, he's just tagging along.
0: So I, I get that feeling. Right. But even like with the crew and Thor like some of your favorite characters are just along for the ride, right? In that situation, but they still have like a lot to give to the story. And it Samuel, let's just start. He he is great in this, but the bar is super high for that guy. That's true. That's true. And I know what he's capable of, and this just feels a little bit like not not phoning it in. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking it to that level, but like yeah, just a little stunted or it's like LeBron
1: only scoring 14 points or something. That'd be like a subpar game for him. But for lower-level NBA player that I can't name right now, 14 points would be awesome, right? So, like, the bar is way too high for LeBron to to where a a pretty good 14 points would be
0: considered bad for him. I could see that. Yeah.
1: You like my sports ball reference
0: there? (laughs) I love your sports ball reference. Shout-out to you, LeBron James. Maybe by the time that this is releasing, you've won another NBA championship. We don't know. Can you imagine... The Lakers would have their 13th championship. <laughs> the Los Angeles Lakers will have their 13th championship. Uh shout out to Tom Z of Film Drugs. <laughs> uh okay, before we get into our Infinity Stones, like I just want to ask you like what is like cuz we're not going to get into it there like what is the comic history of Captain Marvel? Like specifically, like tell me about this character cuz she kind of comes in here late to the MCU and you're, just, you're really thrown into a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So, please. Uh, we've got two sort
1: of branches or two, two ways to look at the Captain Marvel character. Uh, first, easiest to kind of uh, discuss or easiest to explain here is the Captain Marvel, DC, Shazam, all that stuff. So, the hmm. Shazam DC movie came out in the same year. And it was kind of confusing for some people because the character known as Shazam in DC... Used to be called Captain Marvel. Okay, and when you say used to be, when was that? Long time ago, but in the formative years of DC and Marvel comics. So, 40s, 50s, 60s, that time frame. 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. So, Captain Marvel, DC, came on the scene um, right around the same time as Superman. A little bit after Superman. They got sued by Superman because it's kind of the same character. You're you're all-powerful. Do good hero, you know, super strong. Mm-hmm. Anyways, super fast. Yeah, so they were sued um, and had to change the name to sh- change the name to Shazam. And then I don't know, it was in the '60s, early '60s, Stan Lee used the name Captain Marvel for his already established Captain Mar, already established Marvel comics, um, and that's the character that we're seeing here today. Um, they have been closely tied, and you know, the diehard DC fans or Shazam fans have been calling him Captain Marvel and it's been it's been back and forth over the years uh, but this 2018 I believe uh that now it's like kind of definitive that guy is not Captain Marvel anymore and this girl is
0: interesting so is it, when she's getting the different outfit changes there towards the end of the film is are any of those outfits like one of the old Captain Marvel like DC or any is there any of that going on there? No, nah, no. Nah. so. Are you familiar with the DC Shazam movie that came out in 2018? Uh, I'm I'm familiar
1: with it as like I know that it it, it exists. Ah, okay, well, pretty eh, decently good. Uh, exceeded my expectations, so take that for what you will. Um, his costume is all red with yellow accents. So um, not I don't think any of those ones that she's flipping through is one of those.
0: Okay, I didn't know if, or an earlier iteration of the Marvel character either. No,
1: I think it, it, the Captain Marvel character has pretty much always been what we see here. Um, the red, blue, and yellow uh, sort of idea that that logo with the star, the what's it eight pointed star, that's been, been pretty consistent throughout the uh, uh, Marvel Comics character history.
0: Okay, And what about the Cree wearing green?
1: That is that is uh, consistent. Um, so maybe they usually throw some white in there too, uh, depending on the animated series or or whatever you're watching. But yeah, the the Kree and green and their blue skin is is pretty consistent. Hmm. So the Marvel character over the years has sort of changed, um, not not drastically and not in any way that I think really matters, especially in the MCU, the cinematic universe context. Um, originally, Marvel. Who we know here as Doctor Lawson, um, is a Cree person, Cree scientist who is on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel is the first Captain Marvel, if if you want to say first like that. But yeah, so Marvel becomes Captain Marvel and is an alien who is working with the Earth-bound superheroes to help with you know whatever, while also doing his Marvel thing. Um, I guess that's an one one change from the comics is that Marvel is a male. Um, doesn't I don't think it really matters Uh, you know this even Captain Marvel the hero character was male previously and I think it was in I don't know 2016 in 2016 there was a revamp of the Captain Marvel comics and that is the comic line that this movie is based on so this movie is based on actual Marvel comics that existed before the movie came out but they came out in 2016 when the character started in like 67 or something, you know, way, way back. But over the years, it's changed. Carol Danvers has been a character of uh, varying importance over the years. Uh, There's been a lot of criticism over the, in the 80s, 90s of the Carol Danvers character being, uh, what do you call it? Not a trophy wife. I, I don't know. The trophy wife is the idea that sticks in my head, but like arm candy kind of character um not Hmm. very not very important not very not treated very well um and they got a lot of controversy over that and that's when in the 90s and thousands the carol danvers character raised in importance and then in the 2016 is when they flipped it and like she is now captain marvel um it, it, it bounces back and forth over over time like it's pretty complicated comic history but the the Big gist of it is Marvel is a Kree scientist on Earth doing research, very similar to the Marvel character we see here. But then Marvel is Captain Marvel, and Carol Danvers is his girlfriend. And then now they've kind of switched that, swapped it to be like more of a mentor role, you know, as we see in this movie.
0: Interesting. Okay. Cool. Well, That's yeah, good to know.
1: I- there's there's a lot there, and none of it really matters for this movie or the MCU in general. It's just background knowledge i guess
0: yeah no that's that's why people come to us right
1: yes if you ever go to if you ever go back and watch um, avengers assemble or uh, the avengers initiative any of the mid-thousands mid-teens um, animated series or animated films from marvel they're awesome for one uh, but Marvel does show up in those as as Marvel the scientist and then captain marvel and carol danvers is in the mix you know just depending on which comic series or animated series or animated film you watch you may get a slightly different version of captain
0: marvel all right well is there anything else that you want to get into here before our six stones that's about it (laughs) i think i've gone on long enough on comics here (laughs) all right well i'm gonna kick it here to an ad break and then we'll get back with our six stones This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Coolers. As summer approaches, it's the perfect time to step up your cooler game. And there's no better option than Mammoth. They make the best cooler since the Ice Age. Mammoth Icebergs are stainless steel reusable drink chillers. Think of them like space age ice cubes. Built with 18-8 kitchen-grade stainless steel and insulated with high-tech thermal gel, they will keep your drink cold up to two hours on a single freeze. They can also withstand a blast from Captain Marvel, and they can encase a Tesseract, apparently. Hmm, interesting. Wow,
1: does it say that right there on the notes?
0: Yeah, yeah, right, right there. I'm reading it. it, it it's words. The best part is the icebergs won't water down your drink and are completely reusable. All Mammoth products are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. Visit mammothcooler.com. That's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order. And use the offer code BEGONIAFM, all one word at checkout to get 10% off your order make sure to use that code to let them know you came from us. Thanks to Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of Begonia FM. Okay, six infinity stone time. Our first infinity stone we are calling Cree Training. This is the beginning of the film where we see Jude Law training Carol she's also gonna have a meeting with the super intelligence what can you tell me about the super intelligence it's it's weird man it's it's pretty weird
1: it's a computer it's sort of like a collective intelligence a little bit of a hive mind um, idea here but not like controlling individual Crees in the same way that a hive mind does but like um, the supreme intelligence is the pinnacle of Cree technology it's the artificial intelligence that they created and now is their like leader because it's so smart it can
0: calculate everything and you know has this big plan well it didn't seem to plan well enough nope and then so the kree specifically are those the people at the beginning of guardians one that comes in on uh star lord when he's trying to steal the stone yes so that
1: actually um the orb the orb yes so um my brain is split here. Two two tangents. One yes, those are Cree warriors, and actually, it is the same character that we see here. One of Jude Law's team's members, the mm-hmm. guy who says, "I'm oh, Star Lord." Who? Star Lord, man, come on. That that guy, same character actually, not just the same actor, but same character. Um, and the Cree are. The, this is my second tangent here. The the Cree are the quote-unquote bad guys in Guardians Two. Ronan the Accuser and all of his people all of his followers or whatever are cree.
0: I think that's Guardians 1 with Ronan the accuser. Did I say Guardians 2? You did. It's fine. I I know my Marvel. Yeah, I, I, I I'm here for you Lucas. Thank you thank A- you any for the questions reaction. you have. Yeah, about the MCU. I'm here. I'm here to answer them. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> So yes, the the people who try to stop Peter Quill from getting the orb in the beginning are not only cree but followers of Ronan the accuser.
0: Mhm. Who we do see later on the film yes which is pretty cool to see young him we're seeing young versions of a lot of people we are film. we are and before he has his like ritual face paint and stuff too Mm-hmm. yeah maybe this is why he put it on he saw how cool captain marvel looked when she flew up and he's like i gotta look cooler if i'm yeah. gonna be a big player out here yep i gotta have a really dynamic look if i'm gonna exterminate
1: uh species across the galaxy that fight the kree you know i gotta look the part
0: Hey, you said it best, brother. All right. Well, we also we do actually get to see the Supreme Intelligence. Mm-hmm. See, see in a certain way, yes. But sure, it projects who you, who you admire most, which is a little convenient. And st- you know, it, it it could be anybody. It could yeah. Be like, so
1: so the whole deal with the con- the Supreme Intelligence is nobody knows what it looks like, really. Well, it's okay. It's a computer program. It doesn't doesn't look like anything. But right. when you communicate with it telepathically, I guess, or however this technology works, it presents itself to you in a way that you will recognize. And mm-hmm. I guess that manifests itself in the form of the person you most admire, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of ego.
0: It wasn't Ego could have made himself look like anything. True. I mean, he chose Kurt Russell. Awesome. Who wouldn't? Smart choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but eventually she get. Carol gets okay to go on a mission. Right. And we're we're under the understanding that these Cree have saved her and given her powers with a chip on her neck. And they've been training her at this point like as one of their own she thinks mm-hmm. that she's Cree. Mm-hmm. And she also thinks that they gave her the powers. So she's going on this mission for the first time that's kind of where she's at as a character and her understanding of her Powers that she can use at the time, right? Am I correct in that? Right,
1: right. Uh, I, I guess so. So to clear everything up, she she's not Cree. She they didn't give her the powers, so to speak. She has the powers within her, and that chip is inhibiting her powers. Correct. But because of how she got the powers, that um, explosion six years ago, she lost her memory, and they. It's unclear. If they've like implanted memories or whatever, but it, it seems that she doesn't remember anything more than six years ago, and so mm-hmm. they have like brainwashed her and trained her up in this you know military way to be a soldier for the Kree with her powers, and they that put that like inhibitor chip on her. Um, no spoilers. You might see
0: something like that in in, in some future seasons of uh, Agents of Shield. Just saying. Mm. Well, hey, speaking of S.H.I.E.L.D., wasn't it on S.H.I.E.L.D., like the aliens with blue blood, mm-hmm. like Cree have blue blood, is are they? Is that linked up at all or anything? It is, it is. Uh, it's such a minor spoiler, I'm just going to
1: spoil it, but yes, like season two of S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of based around this fact, and on this show we only covered season one, but we just got the, the tip of the teaser there with Coulson in Tahiti, and he's found the blue alien, and... Yes, all of that storyline is linked to the Cree. That cryptographic writing that um, was it. John Garrett and uh, and Colson are compulsively scrawling or carving with a knife. That is the Cree language that we see in Lawson's journal, in uh, in in uh, where is that Nevada, wherever that secret base is. Yeah. So the Cree is is all interconnected, and we've seen they've been planting the seeds of the Cree involvement for. A long time. I, I want to say the earliest is probably Shield. We see these connections in Guardians, as you said. Iron Man Two has connections to the the Marvel story, the Captain Marvel storyline.
0: I think that's all. But they've been dropping these, planting these seeds for a long time. They've been laying the breadcrumbs. Yes. Well, finally, after all these seeds have been planted, Carol finally qualifies to go on a mission, and they get attacked. Basically or like they get ambushed while they're there yeah
1: so they are on a mission um this part is a bit unclear because spoilers for this movie uh jude law's the bad guy uh, ultimately and so did he plan this mission and didn't tell carol the whole plan you know it's kind of unclear in that way but the what carol sees is they're on a mission to rescue an informant i believe or one of their own or something like that and they get in there and they find people uh, people who live at the place that they are um, infiltrating and turns out to be an ambush, you know, and Jude law does call it. It's like, wait, this is a perfect place for an ambush. Let's hold up. Um, turns out they, these are the scrolls, uh, which is the sworn mortal em- enemy of the Kree empire. This, it, it all goes back, you know, they've been fighting for thousands of years or whatever, but um, both of them are kind of trying to end the war in, in one way or another. So, when they get there there's just a bunch of civilians essentially refugees trying to survive wherever they are whatever planet this is um but it's clear that jude law's character is not interested in helping them or sparing any collateral damage um so it turns out very badly for the scrolls not that i think the scrolls are good in my comic history but the crees are just as bad yeah two
0: two sides of a coin yeah Can I, can i ask one thing though like are the Cree unaware of a lot of the rest of the galaxy? Because, like, the Guardians and a lot of those different groups we see in that film have light speed. Yeah. The Cree do have a method of traveling
1: faster than light. We see this with uh, Ronan's ship. At the, at the end of this movie, they appear with those cool hexagon graphics. The uh, bestagons. Yep. Th- they are the bestagons. They... The Kree have technology that allows them to travel vast distances very quickly. Um, I think this this light speed engine technology that Marvel was working on on Earth is a bit of a, a what's the film term? It's a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to pay too close attention to it. But the way I see it, it's supposed to be more of a weapon than a useful technology like travel. It's more for them to end the war to run away and hide right for the scrolls because the kree are pursuing them so yeah that's the twist though right like that's marvell is a kree who has flipped sides wants to help the scrolls so she's developing an engine for them to be able to escape the kree who is this really supposed to work that that's that's it's all confusing. Unclear. It's unclear,
0: I, and it's fine. I just, I just wanted to, because I didn't know if they were more isolated. If you'd be like, well, yeah, because the Kree, you know, the Kree are a force in the galaxy. They, they are known and travel far and wide. Well, speaking of far and wide, eventually the, you know, the Skrulls kidnap Carol and they take her to Earth, which is our second stone here, and I'm calling mission to Earth or mission to C fifty three. <laughs> and how many nicknames does Earth have? Because it seems like it's Midgard to some people. It's C fifty three. It's Earth six one six, right in the comics or something like that. Or the MCU is. I can't get it all straight.
2: <laughs> it,
0: to me, it's just Earth. I'm a I'm a classic man. You know. Mm-hmm. How many nicknames we got, Lucas? So far, what we what
1: we've seen in the MCU is just Earth, Midgard, and C fifty three. Now with this movie um i think it really depends on who you're asking what this planet is called because if the if they're familiar with it thanos calls it earth you know like he he's from titan so he's from within our solar system right oh yeah titan is a, a moon of saturn yeah but, yeah
0: you know it could be anywhere and they could call it titan we
1: yeah we went to a a, a, a city formed in the the skull of a dead celestial
0: right and i mean i, I I guess I'm more just saying like uh, Titan fits in like with the naming like what was it like Valkar or something with the soul planet Vormir yeah so Titan, Vormir Vormir it it, it works in there Legolas Gimli Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) so so we land on Earth known by many
0: names she crashes down (laughs) <laughs> Through the blockbuster, which you talked about earlier, we do get a Radio Shack moment, which the security guard not doing a great job, but can't really blame the guy, you know? Yeah. What, what is he going to do?
1: Yeah, especially some spacesuit suit wearing creature thing. That just survived a landing from the sky. Yeah. Yeah. And walks out of the blockbuster and asks you, where can I find some communications equipment? Yeah, you're going to point him to the Radio Shack. I mean,
0: this is 95. Not everybody has a cell phone in their pocket, you know. Right, right, right. Well, then uh, he eventually does call the police or the authorities, if you will. And we see a young Coulson and a young Samuel L. Jackson. A young Fury. Yes. Both eyes wide open. For the time being. (laughs) Correct. I do enjoy during the conversation with Carol there when he's talking with her. They're having their first little banter there he thinks he's gonna arrest her Mm -hmm. and he mentions 411 do you remember 411 no
1: i am i'm familiar with the like the slang term of like here's the 411
0: on this so for the listeners out there who are young bucks in the world uh (laughs) 411 was kind of basically google before google it was like you could dial your phone 411 and it was called information and you would talk to a person and you just you could literally ask them almost anything. You'd be like, how do I get to this place or what time does this place close or, you know, where can I find, you know, it was almost like a mixture of like the yellow pages, the phone book and just general information as well. And you could call huh. it, but you got charged every time you called it. Wow. How much did you get charged? Like, was it worth it? Unclear. I was a kid, so <laughs> so your parents were getting charged. <laughs> precisely. It, it, it was just for emergencies. Gotcha. As I was taught. Oh, yeah. so very I did, cool. We did it a couple times for a few different things. Like I remember, like when we'd be like traveling or something, we would call it. Wow. So would they? The, the person on the end, other end of the line would be like just at a computer and Google and stuff. Unclear. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't really look into it beyond that. But when I just heard the, I was like. Oh, this is the mid-90s and 411, and I miss good times, good times. Interesting. That's
1: that's a new concept to me. Like, I I didn't know that that existed. I remember calling the movie phone. You call for, like, what time this movie is playing at this theater.
0: Yeah. And you'd have to wait almost like it's, like, a snow day for school. You're just like, come on, come on. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, man. I mean, they also just used to put the times in the paper. When I'd go to Lawrence with my grandma, we'd always just pull out the paper and look at the Times and pick the movie from there, which is crazy to think about. They still do that. I mean, if you could find a paper. Yeah. I was like, who gets a newspaper anymore? Doug Brock. Oh, shout out to you, Doug Brock. Okay, but so after Young Coulson and Young Fury tried to basically kidnap her, she's attacked by a scroll. Kidnap?
1: We're going to like arrest take her into custody, yes. Kidnap seems like a weird way to phrase it.
0: Well, S.H.I.E.L.D. does suspect things, you know? They create supervillain. I'm not a big S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, you know? I'm, I'm out on S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, man, I am up on S.H.I.E.L.D. Y- you do love your S.H.I.E.L.D.
1: Well, okay, and we're looking at the two best examples of what S.H.I.E.L.D. represents. Fury Absolutely. and Colson. So, like, of course, I, I'm going to side with them. I, I'm not, this isn't uh, John Garrett, agent, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Grant Ward. Of course,
0: but they let Hydra, like... Yeah, I mean, do you do you hate Yoda, too? What about Mace Windu? Yeah, I mean, I have thoughts about him for sure. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: yeah, Ooh, well, maybe, maybe sometime we'll do Star Wars, and we'll really dig into that. All six movies of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I'm
1: sorry. I'm just stoking fires here.
0: But in the galaxy not so far away, here on Earth, <laughs> we get a car chase and a train battle that includes a battle on top of a train
1: what more can you ask for
0: nothing you got cars it, well, you got motorcycles a bank robbery oh yeah a heist a yeah. heist would be yeah, cool a heist for sure right, where are you where are you at scott lang but uh i love love this part of the film like at this point Me too it is moving like it has a really nice middle section of this film that i do really enjoy and overall like being the least when I say up top, like that it's like I've enjoyed this at least out of these Marvel films, I've enjoyed these films a lot. So like The bar's high, like LeBron James. Precisely. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy this film, and this is so much fun. The shape-shifting. It's so crazy
1: how she has to like find a shapeshifter on a train on a planet with people she's never seen before, you know, latent to memories aside, but like she doesn't think that she's ever been to Earth before. But she's still able to track down this scroll who is shapeshifting as humans. As she beats the crap out of a grandma, it's hilarious. The whole train
0: is like, What the heck? And like tries to stop her. It's great. It's fantastic. I would say like I'm surprised the Kree haven't invented like a scanner technology in their wrist that they could just like project out and scan for a shapeshifter.
1: But the the scroll power, it replicates the DNA. Like, I guess what are you gonna scan for? That's that's the whole thing. Probably what the Kree are thinking. We can't detect it.
0: Maybe catch them like you know they they probably change the face first and the hands, but maybe like on the upper thigh. That's like the last part, so you can see it like closing up. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how shape shifting works. I've never done maybe, it.
1: Maybe. I mean, we
0: should put you in contact with some Kree scientists. Maybe you can help them out with their technology. Get them on your tech show. <laughs> but, okay. So our our next stone is after all this commotion we see carol and fury are gonna team up and that's what we've called this stone is the the fury team up and they meet up at the bar there you love it
1: you love it it's an empty bar middle of the day Mm -hmm. fury just walks in and the bartender just walks out like commands the room i guess and then they just sit there and have this little powwow spy versus spy sort of
0: is that the same bar that's in uh the apple moon series the what (laughs) the apple show the like to the moon or what it was that for all mankind for all mankind that's it is it it reminded me a whole lot of that barnock i looked at the two sets and it looked pretty similar interesting i i did not
1: register that at all that's what a great, uh, great observation!
0: You know, I just maybe it's because it's a bunch of pi- it's a pilot hangout, and they were test pilots.
1: Oh my gosh! Can you is this exist in the same universe? Do you I'm think? Clear. The, do you think the MCU is the universe in which the Soviets got to the moon first?
0: Only if we don't have to perlustrate it. Oh
1: duh. well, okay. <laughs> 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 but at
0: this. The testing facility they they've worried about project pegasus or that's like the term or what carol has seen you know in her kind of dreams and everything and the mm-hmm. information that she has up until this point
1: yes Pe- project pegasus is what ties it all together uh, ties the whole mcu ties all of it into this location and this point in time right now She sees in her memories, I guess, the the Project Pegasus logo. Mm -hmm. She starts asking about it. Fury, I don't think Fury knew about it before this time. He researched it and found out, right? So I I guess before I tell you what I know about Pegasus, what do you know about Pegasus at this point?
0: Uh, Pegasus seemed to be a program to build the light speed Engine and also to cloak that laboratory in outer space that housed the tesseract
1: I don't think either of those things are Objectives of project Pegasus. That is what Marvell did or Wendy Lawson did sort of through Pegasus
0: Hmm, okay So what was Pegasus trying to
1: do? Pegasus is actually an acronym. Of course it is. Oh my
0: god, (laughs) of course
2: (laughs) <laughs>
0: is Marvel an acronym too? No. Have I missed that this whole no, no, time? No, 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 no. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I gotta find the actual acronym. I didn't think I was gonna bring up the acronym, but it's um, the whole point of Project Pegasus is to is alternate energy sources, which is sort of a common theme in the MCU with with Stark Industries specifically, but and and Avengers Phase One, where where uh, Fury. It is discovered that Fury is building nukes with the Tesseract energy, but the whole project was started as an alternate energy source um, to sort of solve the energy crisis. But
0: Red Skull was kind of trying to accomplish that as well. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was trying to... I mean, he was going to make some weapons from it too, but so did Fury, you know?
1: Yes, this will change the war. No, Doctor, this will change the world. not going to do a Hugo Weaving accent, sorry. (laughs) But... (laughs) So th- th- this is a small nitpick I have in this film like where it doesn't all kind of connect in in a way that I understand but the way they say it's it works is Pegasus is a joint shield Air Force and NASA project. Mm. So on the tin or in the movie it's a joint NASA Air Force project because it's all about test flights and new new planes technology and and i guess we do we do see that that is ultimately like a space station and a a ship that can go up into space and Mm -hmm. i guess a reminder this is like 95 so like space shuttle is our basically our only space capable vehicle um at the time so they're working on it and um the stark slash shield connection is where i get a little bit unclear in that at this point because if, if S.H.I.E.L.D. was connected to this project, why would Samuel L., Nick Fury, not be able to get
0: in? You know what I mean? Maybe he's not level 10 at that point. He's level 3.
1: I don't know if you noticed from his his badge that we, we got to zoom in on. I did not, but he leaves that
0: badge behind in that room, and that bothered me. You think? I don't think he left yeah, it behind. They open the door, and they walk right through it, and it was left on the, on the table. I rewound it. Nice. You freeze-framed it? I didn't freeze-frame it, but I, I just watched it a couple times. It, it, it didn't require freeze-framing. Okay, okay. You could argue that he grabbed it, at, like, between the cuts.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, the the, the next cut is there at the next door where she blasts through it? Yeah, maybe, you know. Yeah. Any, anyways, yeah. Uh, so what, what gets me about the disconnection here is the Stark and S.H.I.E.L.D. connection. So, following the Tesseract, mm-hmm. Red Skull, then Cap, the plane crash, goes in the ocean... Howard Stark's looking for Cap. Finds the Tesseract. So it's the Tesseract is in Stark possession from 1945. Mm-hmm. Then somewhere in the after the war, he founds Shield. Or he is a, yeah he is a founding member of Shield. Um, unclear exactly how that all gets started with like governments involved and stuff. But eventually Shield is founded, and so it makes sense that the Tesseract or Stark would the the Tesseract would be in possession of the of S.H.I.E.L.D. through Stark, right? Okay. So then we get to the 80s.
0: And Wonder Woman comes along.
1: <laughs> yes, Wonder Woman is on the scene. Um, so then Project Pegasus has started as this joint NASA Air Force S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, um, venture. So now it makes sense that they would use the Sesseract as this alternate energy source to to experiment on. But that's the thing is like the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. connection is what's weird, it seems from this movie that after this movie is when S.H.I.E.L.D. gets involved with Project Pegasus. But according to like the history and where the Tesseract is, the S.H.I.E.L.D. connection and Pegasus should be already made.
0: But who knows what, you know?
1: That's true. And so Pegasus was shut down after the crash. After um, Danvers was presumed dead and Wendy Lawson was killed. Pegasus was like shut, da- shut down or
0: or so we thought. What do you mean? I'm just I'm honestly just kind of messing with you. Oh, like no, no, it's no. the Marvel universe. They literally could like start a new season Project Pegasus. like it was actually moved to Antarctica. Oh, okay. yeah, okay. yeah.
1: I guess I'm I'm mostly talking about this facility, but like
0: nothing's ever dead in the Marvel universe, Lucas. That's true. That is true. I'm I'm, I'm here to teach you things about Marvel. This the Project Pegasus being
1: shut down is my mental way, and I think the movie's way of telling us why uh, they they uh, Fury and Danvers are able to just kind of move about freely and go through the archives with nobody seeing them or anything. So that that that's my major nitpick with this movie is that Shield is supposed to have been involved with Pegasus, yet they weren't, yet they are
0: yeah maybe that you know but that i feel like that works really well with shield's history and i'm sure at some point they'll fill in the cracks and make it really compelling how that all came to be
1: maybe yeah
0: i did really enjoy the nice dig at shield literally putting their logo on everything and they're supposed to pick a covert group <laughs> i was like thank you mcu at least you said it you know
1: <laughs> it's like the ant-man uh disguise dig too mm-hmm. ant-man and the Wasp. sorry the s- second
0: movie but yes with the the hat and sunglasses, yeah, look we look at like ourselves
1: at a baseball game.
0: Yeah, <laughs> okay. Well, We still got a lot here, so we're gonna move on to our fourth Infinity Stone, which is the light speed twist. We've kind of been prodding at it this whole time. We've kind of been talking about it. So Lawson was working on light speed technology, but over this like next period here in the film, once they're out of the bunker, we go to Maria's house. We find out the scrolls aren't evil or maybe they're just like as evil as the Cree. like there's like there's good people on both sides you know like true, nobody true. should be fighting
1: yeah and the the war seems unjust from whichever
0: well the war is justified from whichever side you're looking at it right right uh but the scrolls bring this black box recording mm-hmm. which has Carol's crash where she then remembers that she absorbed the light speed blast so the Cree have been lying to her about where she comes from, who mm-hmm. the scrolls are, and then they modify a jet to fly into space to these coordinates. Casually modify in a swamp. Yeah, just make a plane fly in space. I love Maria and her daughter, but, like, Maria, like, you have a daughter. That's a irresponsible decision you're making to go on this mission. It worked out. This time. Yeah, say it didn't that just, like... Hmm. Maybe they could have found one more pilot who they trusted.
1: Yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not here to disagree with you, but the daughter did like say encourage it. Strong. What, what sort of
0: example are you setting for your daughter? You know? What what a manipulative little girl. Right? <laughs> no, she's very sweet and encouraging. I I just wanted to, uh pick that knit right there. But yeah. Yeah, they, they basically decloak this satellite. Tech laboratory, and it's housing a bunch of scrolls
1: Yep, and they've been up there for who knows how long with how much food and. <laughs> uh, just don't don't look too closely, and you won't be disappointed. I, I thought I thought there was a hundred of you.
0: <laughs> oh well, we got hungry.
2: <laughs>
0: oh my gosh! <laughs> you want <a> chicken finger? <laughs> <laughs> but we, okay so Sorry. we find out they have the tesseract on this cloaked spaceship i i must
1: admit in the moment this was a like major twist for me like the tesseract showing up out of nowhere in in the Ooh. time in the time that this movie came out and like we're seeing so like in the 90s i guess i guess i just didn't expect the tesseract or an infinity stone to be a part of this story at all so it was a bit of a, ta-da, it's all connected moment.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think you have a little bit of that with the pager as well. It kind of connects it as but
1: well. The, but the Tesseract is, like, early. Like, we saw the Tesseract a long time ago. The pager Truth. was
0: last movie, you know. You're, you're totally well, two, right. It two two was weeks like a, ago. Yeah. It, was it a post-credit scene or is it just how the film ended? I think it was a post-credit scene in Infinity War. Or mid credit, whatever you call it. Remind me, which stone is the Tesseract? Space. Space stone. Ah, oh, and it's in space.
1: And it's the it's the one that like opens up the wormhole in New York that allows uh, the Chitauri to invade. So like space time travel, not time travel, space, uh, hyperspeed travel, light speed, whatever. It's all it's all there. It
0: all makes sense. Yeah. So after the Kree come on the ship. They attack the scrolls and they kidnap Carol, and they plug her in one more time to the Supreme Intelligence. Right. And this is, Carol almost has this kind of epiphany now, you know, she knows where she's come from, she knows what happened. She knows where she's going. She knows where she's going, and she realizes that that thing on her neck is like a limiter. Right. And so our next Infinity Stone is Carol leveling up, or Carol levels up, and... Boom. She takes it off and basically becomes like a super saiyan. Yeah. Like her Her hair glows and her hair floats. It it really reminded me of Dragon Ball. (laughs) Uh, And it it is unclear, like, the extent of her powers. Like, she has flight, strength, hand blasters. Photon blasters. She can breathe in space. With her suit, yeah. Only
1: with her suit? No. So, it's like this. uh, I'm just going to... her powers are unclear. I'm uh, echoing your sentiments that, yes, it is unclear exactly how it all works. Uh, the suit is a part of it. The helmet with the mohawk. and So the helmet with the mohawk we saw for seconds. How cool does that look? So cool. But we don't see it very much more. And it is a direct reference or, like, Easter egg is not even the right word. But it, that's how the comic Captain Marvel looks with the... Like only only the upper part of her face, Batman Cowl style with the centurion Mohawk thing. That's
0: comic book Captain Marvel. And I think that's the only reason we got that in this movie. I don't think it's the only reason. I did assume that, that, that was either the look or mm-hmm. like a look. I figured either that was like the most modern change, like they just flipped to that, or if it had been like a classic look. Classic, Marvel, yeah. Marvel Marvel does both things a lot in their films. I would say that they used it most likely and during the part where it was a CGI Captain Marvel almost the entire time. And the toughest thing to replicate is the human face. So the easiest thing to do is to put a mask on them and to make the eyes go away with, you know, like the Batman white eyes and things of that nature. She went into the Avatar state. Precisely. So that would be probably a reason to do it on the film making side interesting that
1: that part obviously didn't occur to me I, I you know have no experience with that but that makes a lot of sense that it's all in space she's i don't know i can't exactly tell when it's cgi versus when it's not so uh, it worked for me in terms of the visual appearance but
0: film films are just an illusion they're just pictures that yeah. are put They're together tricks, to Michael. create the illusion of movement you know <laughs> uh, but Ronan as you mentioned way earlier shows up and it yeah. is our boy Ronan from Guardians
1: yeah we see yon Rog, which is Jude Law's character's name talking to him on his like holographic wrist communicator very similar to the Kimo- Kimoyo beads from Black Panther mm-hmm everybody's got the same t- technology at this point but um we do see Ronan from time to time he shows up with like Five of those ships that we see at the end of Guardians 1, instead of just the one. Um, and they just start
0: dropping bombs. What the hell, man? Yeah, but quickly, Carol destroys all those warheads. Thank goodness. Yeah, she basically discovers that she can fly and yep hits one and it hits all of them.
1: Yeah, that, I mean... So, I mean, that that part... <laughs> Totally hand waving explaining this away, but like yeah, if one was ahead of the rest of them and she blew it up its explosion would cause the rest of them to blow up that part at least that part makes
0: sense <laughs> after like she destroys those warheads, she has this like final duel with Jude Law or what do you call him do they ever even say his name in the film yes, Jan Rog not as cool as Jan do tell you what I tell you what so,
1: also blue, but oh, not wow, a Kree. that's right
0: not agree uh we we did go over that we did talk about that because blue alien yep so we have the dream her fighting him the memory her fighting him and the training at the beginning and then the middle battle in space this is like the final she's blossomed into a butterfly at this point and is like ready to kick ass and take names for sure and he
1: knows it too like he's been fighting her every step of the way, but he knows the whole time that he can't actually defeat her, which is why she's <laughs> inhibited, which is why he is basically brainwashed her the whole time. He tries it at the end too, like to turn off your powers, face me, face me like a man as, as they might've said in, in previous movies, but like uh, tries to fight without powers, just a
0: straight up fist fight. And she's like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> done. <laughs> but yeah, so they have this final duel, not really much of a duel. She blasts him, throws him in the ship, sends him back to be like, hey, I'm coming for the rest of you. This whole
1: part, this whole, that whole thing is unclear to me. Like, why does she zoom off? I, I, th- I just didn't understand any of it. Emily said, I, I asked her this question, where are they going? She flies off at the end of this movie. She said, Emily said she's trying to find these scrolls a new home planet. Did you get that?
2: Yeah.
1: Oh. I, I'm a bad
0: movie watcher, I guess. I just totally missed it. Right over my head. Yeah, it's like, come on, we let's go, let's let's find you a place.
2: Hmm. Yeah,
0: and she sent Jula back to the Kree planet, right, to be like, I'm coming to kick your ass, right? Because she's not, because she's like Batman or something, and doesn't kill people. I don't know. Unless the bad guys continue living. uh you got to send the message, the the threat, you know, make sure they have all everybody there. So is the are all the Kree's bad,
1: or is it just Yon Rog and his? Detachment, unclear. Because Ronan, we hear, we learn from Guardians that Ronan is like a rogue, Kree, a Cree zealot, mm-hmm. and he's going off on his own, which is why he only has one ship later on.
0: So maybe she's just going to take down, like the the bad, like the Hydra of the Kree. You know how Shield got infiltrated by Hydra. Mm-hmm. I bet mm-hmm. that that thing kind of happened with the Kree, and she has to Captain America, all that. All right, Captain Myer Marvel. It she's. I, I, and that's the thing, too, is, like, Cap is Cap. So, like, I don't want to call her Cap, but no. I feel like she kind of deserves to be called Cap, too. Nah. Yeah. She's out there, you know. I, I'm interested to see if there's a joke next film about, like, Captain? Captain? You know, one of those, <laughs> Captain, like... Captain? Captain? Yeah. I'd love to see <laughs> one of those jokes. <laughs> okay, and that leads us nicely into our six-stone aftermath. The, Classic us. Aftermath. Uh, we... We learn about you know how Fury got his eye. Love it. We see how the pager came into being. Also love it. They tease that the whole movie, you know. They really do the the communication device or the communicator. Yes. Do Do you remember pagers, Lucas? <laughs> Are you just familiar with hey, them as an idea? I have a pager. Hey, what's your pager number? Uh, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to read it on air on the podcast. That, no, no, it's my, it's my work pager. I know. Hey, maybe we can get, could we get a pearl pager, where people could page us? I have no idea how much that would cost, but I'm absolutely in. All right, let's look into that, and people like, we'll we'll read your pages on on the podcast. So it is like '90s texting technology. It's awesome.
1: So to be clear, Fury has a two-way pager, which I do not have. I have a one-way. The, the whole mm. the whole reason I have a pager is because it's one-way communication. It's receive only cannot Mm -hmm. send uh, um, transmissions. But it's, yeah, it's just texting. Like the way we use our pagers at work is like you do it on the computer and you page somebody like, hey, I want to page this person and you type the message and it sends it. Then they can read it on their pager, no big deal. But people outside, because we've like integrated new technologies with the old technologies, you can just text this number like straight up on your phone text message and it comes to me. It's
0: awesome. Wow. We're, 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 we're going to put this together. <laughs> okay. This is going to happen. Uh, do you have anything else for the aftermath? I know you can't really say that much.
1: Well, I, I do want to touch on the like the, the post-credit scene that we see with Cap, Black Widow, uh, Rhodey, and Hulk, and
0: then Captain Marvel at the end there. Um, well, don't you think that we'll touch on that during our post-credit scenes? <laughs> yes. Do you think that there's a chance that people have been listening to this podcast all the way up to this episode, but like never thought to like stick around for the post credit scene? They just cut out at the music. I think about that. Yeah,
1: I think about it too. And I think about it, it affects the way that I like watch YouTube videos or listen to podcasts now because, you know, when the intro music
0: rolls, I just want to like skip to the next video or something. Well, if you have been listening this long, what are we on? Episode like 23 or 24. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, stick around to the very end. You get some post credit scenes on on, on our post credits, you know, but uh, let's get to our categories uh, here. So let's pause one more time to hear a word from our sponsors and then we'll get into them. This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Coolers, the best cooler since
1: the Ice Age, Summer is approaching, and that means it's about to get hot, but that doesn't have to be the fate of your canned or bottled beverage. Mammoth's Chilsky is a double-wall vacuum-insulated drink holder made with kitchen-grade stainless steel. The Chilsky works both with 12-ounce cans and bottles, and is a screw-on collar that seals the can or bottle securely, and it keeps your beverage cold 10 times longer than competitor drink holders. This is the highest-tech koozie you can imagine. It's metal, it's powder coated, it seals in your drink, doesn't leave a ring, doesn't sweat, no coaster required. The Chilski comes in a variety of colors including burnt orange, midnight blue, seafoam green, maybe some Captain Marvel red, blue, and yellow. Very close to the red, white, and blue, but you can get that too. You can even customize it with a high definition laser engraving, maybe a Begonia logo, whatever you want. All Mammoth products are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. Visit www.mammothcooler.com, that's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order and use the offer code BEGONIAFM, all one word, to get 10% off. Using that code helps Mammoth know you came from us. Thanks to Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of BegoniaFM.
0: okay lucas time to pick a power what power are you picking my first instinct was to pick shape shifting just because it'd be cool
1: but then upon learning exactly how it works and you have to see it and you're just like replicating another person that sounds like a little sounds a little weird so the power i'm actually picking this photon blasts out the arm i don't know heat up some heat up your coffee heat up whatever no big deal yeah, that that would be handy. Some popcorn. Yes, it's just like your everyday useful power. You know, like I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not gonna be a superhero fighting crime with this one, but it's just gonna enhance enhance life a little bit.
0: I have naturally cold hands too. Oh, you know, like yeah, when I'm like typing late at night, my hands get so cold. You need some like mittens or something. And some photon cannons. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For my power, I'm going with uh, Coulson's intuition. Strong, yeah. He just always seems to, like make the right decision, or the decision to keep the most people safe and alive. The most prominent ex- exhibition
1: of Coulson's intuition here is that moment where he lets Fury and um, Carol Danvers go on the staircase. On the staircase. Oh, they're not, yeah. Uh, also, probably the moment that like cemented him as Fury's most trusted person. Period right yeah it it's gotta be so you know everything after 1995 in colson's career has to be a direct result of that moment right right place right time right place right time and right intuition precisely who's your hero this was a tough one because is it this is a tough one for me okay uh the obvious choice is captain marvel you know she's obviously the hero of the story
0: disagree okay
1: um, I'm gonna go with the daughter of the pilot friend. I'm struggling for names here because she encourages the mom to help. She she's just like real all the time. There, yeah. Helps with the costume design. Come on, we wouldn't have the Captain Marvel we have today. So I'm going with the daughter.
0: She knows also so much about Carol. Like her, like memories of what Carol has told her are so clear. She yeah. really cares about her, you know. How old do you think this daughter was? Twelve. So she was six when Carol died, right? Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Maybe maybe Maria has told her these things got in the me. meantime.
1: They've got all the photos. They've got all the memorabilia, all of Carol's belongings. They probably, from time to time, reminisce and and uh, sure and uh, like on the
0: anniversary of or something like that yeah yeah
1: yeah or her birthday like multiple times throughout the year probably just like anytime they're thinking about carol because maria did say how hard it was for her knowing that she'd be out there too stubborn to die you know that whole scene Mm -hmm. so yeah you're probably right that that maria gave her lots of memories gave the daughter lots of
0: memories about carol so
1: yeah it's plausible plausible
0: yeah all right well my hero in the Clear hero of the story is the Flurkin. Really? Well, yeah, he does save. Yeah, okay, okay. Goose is his name. He saves the Tesseract and like takes out all those guards and mm-hmm. you know protects Fury yeah, and all that.
1: The lowly humans on the alien ship clearly mm-hmm. outgunned. I love
0: when they're <laughs> assessing like the danger. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's like super high for the cat. <laughs> Fury's like, for that has got to be low. busted. It's clearly not working. <laughs> okay what's your unofficial ranking for this film we're getting really real now here because we're towards the end you know there's not a lot of room
1: for movement anymore after
0: this uh,
1: after this but uh, preseason ranking i think we both you know, mentioned it at the beginning but pretty low early on 20 out of 20 out of 23 i believe it i yep. watched it it was fine i don't really particularly care to rewatch it over and over Um, It did make a big move in the the, uh, contemporaneous ranking, up to 11 at this point. Uh, You know, I assess it the same way that I assess all of them. I think recency bias does have a bit of effect here, but it's all the way up to 11. You know, behind Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, and ahead of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Which, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was also 23, a.k.a. my lowest ranked movie preseason. That one being at 12 and this one being at 11 is a a pretty significant improvement and
0: indicative of the time that passed between viewings. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And remind me, what is in last place currently? Currently,
1: last place would be number 21, and that is Iron Man 2. Okay. Not a huge move because that was 17 originally.
0: Right. I think I'm kind of with you there with the Iron Man 2 and with this film. They would be in the 20s in my ranking. Uh at, super
1: fast as we're talking about Iron Man 2. This is the this is one of those like little throwaway lines that ties everything together that makes this universe whole. In Iron Man 2, after Tony has his breakdown and Fury puts him in his place, gives him all of his father's like study materials or whatever from Shield, he mm-hmm. Starts flipping through things to try and find the, the cure to the poison in his blood, right? That's the whole point of the Iron Man 2 storyline. But he tells right. Jarvis, he asks Jarvis to bring up files on Project Pegasus. Wow. Connected dots. Dots connected. It's It's such a small line. And at the moment, you know, in Iron Man 2 in 2012, I can't remember, but many years ago.
0: I think it's like 2010.
1: Okay, sorry. Time is a flat circle. I have no idea. Oh, it's because you don't have the time stone. You're right. If I was the wielder of the Eye of Agamotto, I would have a perfect recollection of when everything happened. Mm-hmm. So way back when, Iron Man 2, essentially a throwaway line, comes back to connect it all together. There you go.
0: Very cool. Well, I had no updates to my Jaylee top three. I'm rating this film uno out of draw four. <laughs> is that your lowest ranking? It might be 25%. Uh, Yeah. uh, Unclear. Uh, Listeners, let us know. Second to last place is Doctor Strange, and last place is still Sitwell, aka The Worst. The Worst. Lucas, one minute on the clock. What do we miss? Uh, I think we covered it all. This is all,
1: everything in the MCU is connected at this point. We've got the ties to Iron Man 2, we've got the ties to Guardians. I guess the only thing we're not tying together in this movie specifically is the Doctor Strange kind of mystic arts timeline or storyline, but
0: um, maybe, maybe that'll come in an Endgame. It it might could. Is there any question that you want to ask me now? This is the, the like your last moment that you have before I watch Endgame. So anything to ask me then?
1: I've got two things. Sorry, I'm totally taking up more of my minute, minute on the clock, but. The first question is the Jude Law. Why is Jude Law not why is Jude Law not blue? He's a Cree man. He should be blue. This is Hollywood interfering with my uh, with my comic purity. All right. And the other thing. Well, the other thing is the very last thing we see in the credits is Captain Marvel will return in Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. Why do they specify all all the other ones that say Spider Man will return? black panther will return period is it because there's no more you know there's no more after this essentially like
0: the, the end game is the end for my understanding it's definitely the end of the initial arc so and i assume they were trying to like let you know that she's coming back in, in a big way immediately even though she's a new character and this is a solo film maybe it was like a little bit for marketing but then again i thought the Tesseract act was a MacGuffin. so <laughs> maybe i should think more critically <laughs> So, uh, when you say that you thought the Tesseract was a MacGuffin, uh, like yeah, and then uh, I, you, I believe you asked me after Captain America: The First Avenger, like what do you think of the Tesseract? And I was like, oh, I figured it'll do whatever the writers need it to do, and it's like an object that people really seek out, and it can work like a MacGuffin. There you go. Okay, that I, that is a great wrong. explanation. Well, you, I did, I no, I I had no idea that a stone was in it, and that the so state and that. In the, grand scheme, in.
1: in the grand scheme, I guess you were wrong. But in that movie, you were kind of right. And then in this movie, I think it exactly serves that purpose. Why is the Tesseract there at all? I think mm,
0: yeah. it is literally only there to connect it to the main story. Well, maybe from now on we'll just call it a McTester- McTesseract. Eh, that's kind of tough to say. Yeah, so. MacGuffin's kind of easier. We'll call it the
1: Maltese Falcon. The Maltese Cube. The Malt
0: tesseract falcon yes the maltesseract falcon brilliant that works write it up okay well i want to thank everybody for listening to this episode if you have any questions or feedback send an email to hello at begonia.fm or reach out to us on twitter or instagram at PerlustrationFM for our next episode we will be watching the 2019 film Avengers Endgame, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. Wow, we're we're here, Lucas. What, What a time. A big thanks to Mammoth Coolers for sponsoring this episode and all the Avengers all the way up until the endgame, all their Mammoth products. They really appreciated it. Lucas, take us out. Just wait till you see what I can do with a paperclip. Okay, as we teased earlier, the post-credit scene that we do for every film. Here we have two post-credit scenes and I think you were pretty anxious, Lucas, to talk about this, so I'll just let you take it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess real quick one of them, one of them is the Flurkin or Goose, the cat uh, throws up the Tesseract, which reveals
0: the location to everybody. Hero. He is a hero. He he I expect the Flurkin to come back in Endgame. Like watch out, Thanos. We got a Flurkin. I mean, the scroller clearly terrified of it. Just think about a flurkin and Groot back to back. Yeah, yeah, tentacles. I, I, you can't. What would you do?
1: And defenseless. It, and it straight up swallows the Tesseract. So like, yeah. y- you shoot. You shoot a missile at it. It's just gonna swallow it. Pff, done. No, no big deal. Wow. But the other post-credit scene. This is the one that ties us into our current timeline. This is post the culling or post snap uh, as the mcu is known to call it now
0: and as we call it the after snap
1: the math. <laughs> so captain america black widow roadie james Rhodes, and bruce banner are together um i i presume they're in the new avengers headquarters in that uh, you know northern upstate new york place whatever
0: unclear half the world just went away they can go wherever they want true but they need the they need the 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 technology
1: yeah so it it could be at tony's place it's true that's true so they are clearly alive obviously as we saw them and they're trying to figure out what happened they somehow found fury's beeper that was on the ground right like fury dropped it and we the last saw last thing we saw was that beeper um with the captain marvel logo on the on the pavement so they found it and they clearly realized it has a double a battery that does not last very long let me tell you and bypassed the power source. And they've just been monitoring it because they have no idea what it is. And it was in Fury's pocket, so clearly it's valuable and important. And they've just been checking it out. It dies, and Captain Marvel shows up in the creepiest way, just out of nowhere. No sound, no like, oh, perimeter breach, or, hey, there's a flaming... uh, super speed thing coming at planet earth we have defense technology for this and nope
0: none of that just appears where's fury that all happens you're correct
1: i didn't really get to talk about or didn't really have a good place to talk about the scroll bad guy you know the the leader of the scroll guys if only you had a minute where you allowed to talk about anything